Hello again, and welcome back to the NACA podcast. This is Doug Church, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the NACA National Office in Washington, D.C., and I'm here today with Phil Hughes. Phil, as many of you know who have had any interaction as far as collaboration, um, certainly uh, organizing, the organizing committee that he's served on uh, with NACA for many, many years, know Phil very well. Those of you in the New England region know him very well. And we wanted to talk with Phil this morning. Good morning, by the way. Morning, Doug. Thanks for having me today. Wanted to kind of get a sense for where we're at with collaboration and, more importantly, what is ahead. And uh, But first, I want to ask about your own career because uh, you just hit the, the magic birthday, 56. Is I that did. correct? That is Last correct. Last month? Yes, I, I finally timed out. What were some of your thoughts that morning when you woke up? Yeah, I was um, I was surprised. It, it happened quick, um, you know. As anybody can tell, during your career, it, it, you look down and you're focused on something, and the next thing you know, it's uh, it's time to leave the facility. So, my shelf life um, reached that point in time where I needed to go uh, and, and retire. It was um, it was it, it was exciting, but I knew there would be another chapter in my life, and um, I'm presently engaged in that right now. So I'm looking forward to the the next chapter. And a wife and, and two kids. Yep, I have uh, two kids um, that are presently in college, and my wife. And um, thank God they were very supportive over the last eight years of um, embarking on this endeavor of collaboration, which I started in February of 2011, not really knowing how long it would take and not knowing exactly you know, where we were going to go with it. But um, it's, it's been very fulfilling and, and rewarding, and I'm actually humbled that I had the opportunity to participate in something like this. Let's get back to collaboration in a moment, but first I want to ask you about your own career. Um, Boston Tracon has been where you have called home for for many years now, right? That is correct. Um, and going back to the beginning of your career, uh, you started in 1984 with the agency, is that correct? Um, that is correct. I, I started in 1984. I was a uh, co-op student at Daniel Webster College in Nashua, New Hampshire. I got hired by the FA my uh, junior year in, in college and after uh, graduating from college I was um, assigned to Lebanon Tower for four years and then I went to Manchester Tower Tracon and then in 2004 when we started the consolidations I came down to uh, Merrimack, New Hampshire where we had A90 commonly referred to as uh, BCT huh. which is not Boca Raton it's Boston Consolidated Tracon and uh, I was there till 2011 and kept my currency till November of 15 and then I realized that there wasn't enough hours in the day to, to do that and I, I really needed to focus more on this in, in this process that uh, we, we have um, started to utilize all the time now. So when you started with the FAA, obviously NACA was just in its infancy being organized. It hadn't even reached certification yet, which would later come in 1987. What are some of your recollections early on in your career about the need for a union and the role that NACA played as it hit the ground running and then as you became a, a, a member? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think initially back then it was, it was a very volatile period of time. We, you know, we were in a period of adjustment um, after, you know, the strike and everything, and which ironically I showed up in uh, September of 81 right after the strike. And I think that having um, NACA represent the employees was actually a win-win for the agency. They had a group of people that was focused not only on the mission of the, the a joint mission of the FAA 
in, in the union, but also somebody that could help maintain the integrity of what we were doing. I've often said, uh, you know, NACA is the glue. We, we have the depth, we have the uh, perseverance, and we also have the intelligence of thousands of people that come to work every day that do more than just control traffic. They're, it's a very dynamic group. Mm-hmm. As you have now seen the, at the other side of it now, on the, on the end of your career and the bookends of sorts, is there a way to kind of sort of boil down briefly what you have seen as the, the, the biggest triumphs that, that we have, have seen as a union and the way that this union has grown, not just in numbers and in numbers of bargaining units, certainly over the last 20 years, 25 years, but in terms of our influence about all the successes that we've built up as a union. Is there a way that, that, that you sort of think about it in, in terms of start to finish, how that process has evolved? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's changed immensely. I, I, I contribute that to a lot of people, specifically Paul and Trish. You know, they rebranded us, our messaging, as far as what collaboration looks like. Um, they gave us a seat at the table. I think a lot of different people that were skeptical that we were, you know, a typical union that was looking to just do hand-to-hand combat suddenly realized that that's not exactly what we were there for. We were there for a joint reason that we, we definitely wanted to focus on that. Um, as I've told people, I said, this is an opportunity that I've waited decades for, to be able to have a seat at the table and, and basically have a discussion over things that are pertinent and valuable to both of us. Um, I, I truly believe that the fact that we have so many people in NACA that are focused on safety, focused on aviation, that that is a lead credibility to what we do. It's not just a typical union that wants to go out there and file grievances. We want to have conversations. We want to make the FAA look good, and we do that on a daily basis. And obviously the churning point for how we got to this point here in 2019 goes back about 10 years now when we we had the Red Book at the end of the White Book era, uh, Randy Babbitt, Paul Rinaldi, Mm -hmm. Trish, um, coming into an era of collaboration and forging that in the 2010-2011 timeframe. Your predecessor in this position as Collabor- uh, national collaboration facilitator was Russ Miller, yes. and you took over for Russ. Is it hard to believe now that we're into a second decade of this relationship, and, and how do you see that this relationship having grown? It, it seems like it, it happened overnight, and it seems like it happened quickly, but yet now here we are 10 years in, and it's a body of work, and it's become the fabric of how business is being done now at the agency. How do you kind of put a, a, a ribbon on that of sorts? You know, I think um, what what occurred exactly was everybody realized the value of collaboration and, and, and having um, discussions. Initially, I think there was some skepticism. It was a buzzword, collaboration, but at this point in time, I think everybody realizes it's essential. It's part of our DNA. It's something that we do daily. We do it in work. We do it outside of work. And it, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes for some people. It's not like a light switch. You don't walk into a room and throw it. It, it takes some time. There are periods of frustration, but I believe we have a generation right now that embraces collaboration, embraces having interest-based um, conversations. I know being affiliated with this this process, and, and to me it's not a program, it's a process, that we have reinvented ourselves every year. We, we have a watermark, and we keep on increasing what we're doing. There's no complacency who we touch. Mm-hmm. Um, presently, we do a lot of training in the field with um, 
managers and fact reps, but now we're actually reaching out to employee and labor relations and a, a variety of different groups that realize the value of having an interest-based conversation and working collaboratively and to quote, you know, Walt Crockford, when I first met him, we're essentially just trying to put one team on the field and carrying the ball in the same yeah. direction. Yeah. And that, that is something that I think we've, we've really accomplished in a lot of different arenas. Now, early on, I know one of the main goals of collaboration was to push it down to the facility level. It wasn't mm -hmm. just going to come from the top leadership and trickle down. It was going to be pushed down so that everybody could, could be a part of it, engage at the local level. You, of course, uh, like a, a Southwest Airlines, probably a, a, a whatever platinum medallion status, right? Because you have traveled this country yep. back and forth over and over for years. You've seen what uh, local facilities have done. You've been a part of those discussions. You've helped to facilitate those discussions. What are the, the impressions that you've had at the local level, sitting with local union members and, and agency counterparts, and what has that been like in a local sense? I, you know, I, I think we've turned the page. You know, the, typically they say in an organization, philosophical changes occur somewhere between the seven and nine year mark, and, and we're right at about nine years right now, so we're seeing that. This is not new to some people. They, they understand the value of collaboration. I directly contribute our success to you know the men and women the collaboration facilitators that are out in the field right now. The, the dedication they have to it, the sacrifice in the traveling, in, in the long days, and the long nights in organizing this, and going out and doing the training and analyzing the facilities and making sure that this is being pushed down. There is um, a lot of work to do. We have continual change of, out of uh, ATMs and fact reps, as you know. There, there's, a, there's a lot of um, vacancies on the management side and we have a lot of great um, collaboration facilitators on the NACA side that either are, are retiring or, or moving on to other things but the one consistent thing that we do have is the commitment from both parties to continue to do this mm -hmm. the, despite what funding crisis is that we've uh, encountered we've always had funding to do this to make sure that the training is getting done and that collaboration facilitators are able to go out and do their job and they're, they're a very dedicated group of people. Not to put you on the spot, but uh, any specific examples that come to mind of success stories in collaboration that you have been particularly proud of uh, and maybe something that you didn't expect would, would happen that did occur? Um, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I think right now looking at the totality of grievances and the ability to resolve things at the lowest level and have conversations so that we're not just going into a traditional mode. I think that is, is universal to the world we live in right now. People are actually getting into the why behind things and exploring different options and, and not doing hand-to-hand -hand combat like we, you know, we have. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically, you know, I, I know there's, there's so many different facilities out there right now that are working on you know schedule MOUs and stuff like that and when we first started doing this this is really more of an article 48 thing under the old contract which is primarily um, looking at technological procedural and airspace issues but it has expanded into a lot of different arenas yeah um, we initially started training people just on collaborative work groups 
then we evolved and we started doing interest-based com communication. We homogenized the two things now, and now we have a two-day platform that incorporates both concepts mm. so that people are actually able to have an interest-based conversation and do a collaborative work group simultaneously and come out with something that is, is valuable to the facility and valuable to the NAS. That's remarkable, and, and I have to think that you know, we continue to be on that cusp of a type of an organization that's sort of setting examples and setting trends in this arena. I, I can't think of any other agency or, or particular relationship that where this would occur on such a widespread level. No, and I think that's something that people need to realize, that we are being watched. We are an anomaly as a, a government agency to have the success and the ability to take a union and sit down with management and have conversations. I, I totally believe if it wasn't for the leaders of NACA and the leaders in the FAA embracing collaboration and making sure that this is important to them, we wouldn't be experiencing the successes we, we have you know, going on right now. There's opportunities for us to improve. We, we haven't mastered this. This is like any new thing. You have yeah. to continually practice it. You have to continually focus on it. It's not you know, like riding a bike. You can't put it on in the garage and then decide six months, I'm going to start collaborating again. You have to get up every day and practice it. It's, it's, it's hard. We, we live in a, a challenging world. You know, as you can tell, we're, we're constantly attacked by information in all different arenas, and you have to sometimes slow down and focus on what's going on at hand. We, we, I think we, we really have done a good job in making sure people talk instead of just texting, instead of just sending emails, that they're actually sitting down mm -hmm. with one another like you and I right now and having conversations. Mm -hmm. That is that is kind of a lost art that absolutely that we're is. bringing back. Well, that's how that's how it really can get done. Yes, you know you cut yeah. through any of the perceptions or misperceptions or intents, and you just talk openly and plainly and honestly. Yeah, uh, let's talk briefly about uh, the right from the start initiative. Yeah, best word for that. Yeah, um, take us for, for how that developed and what it is, and then where we're headed with it because that will be now your focus in this next part of your career, right? Yeah, is, so, is it leading that effort? So right now, um, my job is providing oversight to my replacement, Russ Hanu, who um, was a collaboration facilitator. I'm also assisting um, the lead, the NACA lead for right from the start, which is Chris Stevenson. So I'm doing that for uh, six or seven months here, helping that out, and, and Paul, Trish, and Dean have asked me to, to stay on and do that. So right from the start, typically um, they provide uh, two real products. They do a leadership alignment when there's new managers and uh, fact reps to make sure that they're getting out of the gate correctly and they have it right from the start. Hmm. They also do a more intense full endeavor which they go in with organizational development specialists that are trained in that in which you have a facility that is um, troubled. You know, they, it, it's, it's a widespread thing. It's, it's above the skill set of the collaboration facilitators and they go in and, and they actually kind of dissect what's going on and they get buy-in from the leaders at the facility to help put them in a better place. Mm. So that is something um, that is a part of the collaboration uh, portfolio. I think it's essential. Um, it's, it's preventative and it's also uh, curing some of the places when we do get off track and we need to be put back on track. Excellent. Let me leave the, the final question to you. Uh, anything that you would like to add? that we haven't covered here that you think is important for our members to know, especially younger members, 
um, want to take more of an active role not in the union itself, but yeah. more importantly in their own uh, careers in seeing how these collaborative uh, programs and initiatives at their level are transpiring and understanding how that has come to be. Any messages or lessons learned or things that you want to impart? Yeah, I, I think um, that's that's a great question. You know, I would recommend that anybody that's passionate about their vocation, like we are, is to get involved, do more than just sit on the sidelines. You know, if you see something that is resonates with you, raise your hand, do whatever you have to do, talk to your FAC rep, your RVP, get in the game. Years ago, I took a more traditional form of uh, resolving things, which was not a, a good path to take, and I suddenly realized that I needed to harness that energy and use it in a different arena, and I was fortunate. My RVP at the time recognized that, and he started plugging me into things, and I've, I've, I've had a very blessed life. I've had a great career, met a lot of good people, um, and I hope that the energy and enthusiasm in the next generation continues, because I know we have the people out there. You just gotta get up and jump in. That's fantastic advice, and thank you. And congratulations on a wonderful career, and best of luck in the next chapter to come. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk to everybody today, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on the NACA Podcast. We'll talk to you very soon.